Welcome to the iAfrican Bytes podcast. My name is Tifo Mohapi. I'm the editor-at-large and CEO at iAfrican Media. In Nigeria, as it is across most parts of the continent, the bulk of the retail supply chain is informal and fragmented. Many companies have tried to tackle this market by introducing e-commerce business models that have worked in North America and Europe, but they quickly learned that the conditions on the ground in Africa are very different. Added to that, each country and each city on the continent is different and requires local understanding and adaptation of processes and business models. Having said that, there are many common things among African countries and cities when it comes to the retail sector. To help us unpack this and more, I'm joined by Onyekachi Izugane, the founder and CEO of Nigeria's Trade Depot. Good day, Onyekachi. How are you? Very well, Tifu. Thanks for having me. Great. Firstly, congratulations on the growth of the business and your latest funding round. Can you tell us what this means for Trade Depot's growth and expansion? Yeah, absolutely. So the focus uh, for us was primarily around a few things, right? Um, The first was to um, expand our footprint across Nigeria, right, which is where we are headquartered and, and primarily active. Now, in addition to this, we are also carrying on some pilots in in some other cities outside the country, and we'll be looking to double down on these a bit. And then, of course, we're looking to begin to extend financial services to retailers on our platform. Great. Now, for those listeners who are not familiar with Trade Depot and what you do, can you just give us a description of what the company does? Very well. So Trade Depot... You know, with Trade Depot, what we're really trying to do is to put the power of e-commerce, right, in the hands of um, um, small retailers, right, independent uh, family-owned stores, mom and pops, what you would call spazas, right, in, um, in townships in, in and around um, South Africa, right? Correct. So it's a very similar model that you find in many, many countries on the continent. Now, um, for, for these guys... Uh, they're working with a very dis- the fragmented distribution layer that is, um, you know, has a lot of inefficiencies, makes product prices e- expensive for them. And so what we're doing is putting the power of e-commerce in their hands to enable them access the products they need at great prices directly from the manufacturers, right? Now, the flip side of this for the manufacturers as well is that it gives them a much better route to market because it's data-driven and, you know, it allows them to cut out so many middlemen and get the product where they want it to get to. Okay, that sounds good. Now, from a retail supply chain perspective, how complex is it to try and formalize, streamline, and digitize the various supply chain uh, across different parts of the continent. I mean, you said you started in Nigeria, but how difficult is it or how complex is it? So, I mean, it's, it's, a, very, it's a pretty complex space because you know, there are several things to think about. One is the nature of the user, right? These are, I mean, they are, these are very driven entrepreneurs, but they're not necessarily the most sophisticated user base. So when it comes to things like tech adoption and or other related things, you know, there's um, quite a few hurdles you might have to, to scale sometimes. But the key thing is that, you know, one needs to focus on providing a channel that makes sense for them. So in, 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 the, in these markets, for instance, we've seen that you would have a segment of your user base who would use a, a mobile app, 
you'll have another segment that are more comfortable to operate over, say, WhatsApp, so that they can have that social experience. And then you have folks who the ideal channel for them is to, you know, call a toll-free line, right? So that's like okay. the technology adoption standpoint we have found to be very critical in being able to properly service this market. Okay, it sounds, sounds like a lot of moving parts to deal with. Am I right? It is quite a few moving parts to deal with. But there's also a method to the madness, right? Uh, in, the sense, in, the end, uh, in the end, we need to kind of work out the right uh, value chain be clear exactly what value you're providing within that chain and really focus. Now, I can imagine in conducting your business, you come across various uh, trends and insights or even problems that you see in this sector. I mean, what are some of them that you are picking up and those that present sort of great opportunities, if I can put it that way? So there, there, there are various things to look at. So uh, a, a couple of them. For, for, a, for a typical small store, um, you would find them limited by the amount of working capital they have, right? And so they end up um, ordering product for their stores at, you know, very many times. So if the store is going to the market to buy product, you probably end up doing that every two or three days, simply because that's the amount of cash they have to deploy, right? Okay. Now, obviously, every time you go to the market, there's a cost associated with that. You're only buying a certain volume, so there are discounts you can't get. And if you think about it in the end, that limitation already makes the product you're buying so much more expensive for you, right? So now this is a key trend and it's, it's really pervasive. And if you think about the number of uh, outlets we're talking about within this demographic, it, it adds up to a very expensive problem. Now, simply yes. by doing a few things, helping them plan a bit better, but also providing them access to, to credit when they need it, you find that you're able to get these guys to buy in a bit of a more structured way, reduce their buying frequencies, reduce the cost of their buying. And then we very quickly see folks who are able to access you know, uh, uh, better discounts and better prices because you know, you're aggregating demand from, directly from the manufacturer. And the direct impact on the stores is, is significant, right? You can find a store literally doubling their profits in two months. Wow, that's amazing. Now, I'm listening to you, I can imagine part of your job, it sounds like it's to not only formalize the sector or streamline it, but it's to digitize their operations. Am I right? Correct. So you're, you're trying to do a few things. You're, you're trying to, to, to uh, better organize the distribution, right? By working closely with the manufacturers, aggregating inventory, creating meaningful ordering channels to the retailers. But you're also then trying to bring technology into play to do a few things, allow the retailers operate with better data, give them transparent access to pricing, provide tools that allows them to manage their cash and inventory better, right? So that digitization actually creates quite a bit of value because you suddenly find yourself working with so many SMEs whose businesses get so much more efficient simply because the role um, simple to use tech plays in helping yeah. them get better organized. And I'm, I can imagine because your recent uh, funding announcement, you mentioned that you'd be offering credit facilities to the retailers. I imagine that this digitization feeds into that considering that there's an industry that's offline and informal and doesn't have much data to go with. Yes. So, I mean, if you step back and think about the, the segment, many of these guys are unable to access 
credit for, for, for a host of reasons. Top of which is there is really no reliable data to underwrite any credit, right? So if you're a, if you're a lender, you, you want to have a basis to say, I, I, I will lend to this guy because he, is, he will be willing and able to repay. But in the absence of any of that data, these guys are excluded from you know, access to any, any of this sort of um, uh, financial support. So what we are able to do, first of all, is by getting them to move their transactions onto our platform and getting them digitized, we have information that instructs you as to the state of their businesses, their buying patterns, who is, uh, who, who is able to take on what volume of credit, um, what, what interest rates make sense for the person to do this. And on the back of all of this information, you're able to uh, structure and, and, and offer you know, some, some microcredit that, that really goes a long way. That helps, as you say, with the efficiency as well. Now, just moving to a different topic, and as we wind down this episode, as a business founder, I mean, with a company that's gaining some traction and is now expanding, what would be your advice to early stage uh, African startup founders looking to raise venture capital? Very well. So I reckon that, you know, the first thing is that um, each in the end, you need to be focused on solving a real problem, right? And for, for I mean, for, for an entrepreneur solving a real problem in a space that makes sense to take venture funding, because again, it's not every business that it makes the most sense for the, for the founder to do that. So in a space that makes sense to take venture funding, um, you know, you need, to, you need to be in a market that you reckon is big enough and that an investor you're talking to will see as, as big enough, right? This, this is key. So the size of market is key. Having um, under, some understanding about the space you're trying to play in is key as well. If you can find someone to pay the fees for you to lend the market, then you know, do that, right? But certainly yeah. jumping in and doing it yourself, just take on board the fact that you know, there is value in understanding how the space works. Right. I, I think the priority needs to be focused on, you know, you focused on building a, a big business, what is potentially a big business and, and a great business. That, that should always be the, the priority. And then, you know, if you have those fundamentals right and the, the model makes sense for venture funding, it's that much easier to get an, an investors interested in what you're trying to do. Cool. That's good advice. I mean, what else can we look forward to from Terry Depot? Should we be looking forward to seeing it launch in South Africa or Kenya or Ghana? Yes. So we are, we are active already in um, some of these, uh, in, in cities in, in, some of, in some of these um, uh, countries. Um, what we're doing is uh, running quiet pilots, trying to understand some of the markets we're looking to get into a bit better. But definitely, um, we see that the markets are very similar across you know, much of, of Africa. Um, we certainly see great similarities between um, uh, you know, a, a, a neighborhood in Lagos with um, a, a neighborhood somewhere in Accra or a township in and around Joburg. You know, and it makes sense to look to replicate the model in many of these markets. Great. Thank you for your time, Onyekachi, and wishing you all the best. Thank you for listening to iAfrican Bytes. Do check out our other podcasts on iAfrican.com forward slash radio. That is I-A-F-R-I-K-A-N dot com forward slash radio. 